today's message you may think is a message all about next Sunday because today's message is on mission. And while it is uh, applicable to next Sunday, it's not necessarily uh, given for next Sunday's purpose or for the emphasis of next Sunday, although if it applies, by all means, certainly put it there. Uh, in John chapter 4, verse 37, I'm not going to read there right now this morning, but in John chapter 4, you read there Jesus uh, teaches a principle that most commonly is known in the church world as the principle of sowing and reaping. And what Jesus teaches in that principle basically is, is, you know, what we sow, that's what we're going to reap. And he also teaches a principle that one man will plant, but another man will come along and gather the harvest. Now, when we think about that, that doesn't sound so awfully bad, but sometimes sometimes it can be frustrating for us. Because, you know, uh, you know, when we do something, a lot of times, when any of us practically, when we do something, we like giving, be, to be given proper credit for what we've done, don't we? We like somebody patting us on the back and acknowledging us and saying, look what so-and-so has done, look what she's accomplished, look what he's accomplished. But you know, in, in the plan of God, it doesn't necessarily always work out that way. Uh, but here's the important thing for us to remember, that in God's plan, it doesn't matter if you sow or you reap, but what God say, says to us is, the important thing is that we're faithful to what God has given us to do. If we're faithful to what God has given us to do, we're going to be rewarded accordingly to our faithfulness. So if we're called faithful to sow, then God's going to reward us faithful as sowers. If he's called us to reap, be the reapers, he's going to reward us faithfully, uh, faithful to, uh, accordingly to, according to our faith in our reaping. If we're somewhere in between, we're the ones that water and, and hoe the corn, so to speak, God's going to reward us accordingly. So that, that, that principle is, is relatively old. In fact, it's old as the Bible itself. It wasn't something that Jesus just thought of. In fact, you can go back through the Bible and you can find that principle very much put in action throughout the Word of God from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. This morning we're going to go to the first chapter of the book of Joshua. In the first chapter of the book of Joshua, we find the account of two men that are leading the same mission. Two men that are leading the same mission. The one fellow, his name is Moses. And Moses leads the mission for some 40 years. Clings to that promise. The other fellow that is incorporated into this account is a fellow by the name of Joshua. Joshua is being prepared. He's being mentored or groomed, as we would say today, uh, by not just Moses, but he's actually being prepared by God to receive the handoff to move into the next season. Now, I haven't watched any of these Olympics, and I know they're Winter Olympics, and, uh, uh, you know, I have, I've just saw bits and pieces on the news, and I know there's been a lot of controversy. Uh, it's just not something that I follow. Uh, but I do know in, in, in Olympic type sports, and, uh, field and track, Athletics. 
I know there's a, there's a, there's a type of racing where one runner takes off running and he's got a baton or a little stick in his hand or her hand. And they run from point A to point B and when they get to point B there's another person there. And when that other person at point B, when they get close enough, they start running. And then as the first runner gets close to the second runner, the second runner reaches back their hand and and the first runner hands a baton into the hand of the second runner. And then there may be a third runner or even a fourth runner. And as it goes, it keeps going until they reach the end of that race or the end of that journey. And it's not about the one that finishes that journey with the baton in their hand. But every single person that has handed off that baton is just important as the next. Beginning from that first one to the second one to perhaps the fourth one. And that's sort of what we're, we're looking about at this morning as we look at the leadership of Moses and he begins to pass that leadership to Joshua. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to Joshua 1. And we're going to read nine verses of Scripture. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant is dead. That's very significant. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will, and I underscored I will for a reason. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the high-tight country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right nor to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Jesus, we ask that you add your blessing to the reading of this word. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Undying Mission. Now I want you to notice the very startling words that God has delivered to Joshua. The words, three words, Moses is dead. All of us in this room have experienced death in some form or some fashion. Death in its 
most basic form can be identified or defined as the ceasing to change. You see, life is, life is an ongoing change. Even the oldest of us in this room this morning, the oldest of, of you, or to the youngest of you, your life is changing. Even if you're here and you're, you're well up in years, you, if, if there's somebody listening that maybe is, uh, close to a hundred years old, you know, even though they're, uh, close to one hundred years old, you know what? Things are continuing to change for us. In fact, I, I said this to somebody, I think earlier this morning, uh, I said, you know, as I get older, things keep changing. Change is good. Because as long as things are changing, I know I'm not dead. It's when, th- when things cease to change, that's when I am, in fact, dead. Or any of us, as far as that goes. So, death in its most basic form is the ceasing to change. Even the process of aging can be considered transformational. We're not as young as we used to be. There's good to that. There's also negative to that. I realize that. So when we think about death, death, and and, and I want you to, to, this morning as I preach the, the, the entirety of this message... I want you to think of, when we, when we think about death and we think about what's happened to Moses is Moses came to a place where he ceased to change. Nothing would ever change for Moses. Moses had, <coughs> was buried. Moses was with his, his heavenly father, if you would, as we say. So there's coming a time in our life, physically, when things will cease to change. That will be the time of our, our our death. And I know we don't like to think about that, but it is a reality of life. But do you know everything, just practically everything, and for, for the sake of this message anyway, practically everything has a life expectancy. Some things, some things don't continue on forever and ever and ever other than the things of God, actually. And when we think about death, death is uh, a bit paradoxical, if you would. Now, a, para, a paradox means that something makes a, um, it makes a self-contradiction, if you would. Like it says one thing, but it means something else. You know, like sometimes when you're correcting your children and, 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 you know, you tell them one thing and they do what you told them, and then you, you, you know, you smack them on top of the head and say, why'd you do that? Well, you told me to. Well, that's why it's not what I meant for you to do. You know, sometimes, Things are paradoxical in life. Death is a bit paradoxical. Because what happens here in the death of Moses, at death, Moses ceases to change, but yet change happens at his death. Moses ceased to change, but change happens. You see, what happens is a a different season occurs, or is about to occur, under the leadership of Joshua. Now, you and I, at least those of us that are older in this room, not that I'm older, you and I have seen many people, many things, many situations come and go, haven't we? We've seen, even here in this church, and this church is no is, is not any exception of the rule, as wonderful as this church is, this church is no different than any other church. 
uh, you know, if you think you found a perfect church, you haven't found a perfect church because all the rest of us are here. And in, and in, this, in this church, through time, there's been people come and there's been people to go. There's been there's been programs taught. And there's been programs that have left. In the church world, there's been, there's been things to come and go. There was radio preaching and it, it came and it's not necessarily as still around, but not necessarily as prominent as it once was. Then we went through the 70s and into the 80s for the TV preaching and it was really prominent, really powerful, but not quite as effective as it once was. Now we're all, in, you know, we're living in the days of podcasting and live streaming and now, you can go to our website, you can even download the app, and you can check things out, what's going on in our church. Things change. I don't know what will come along next, don't have a clue, uh, you know, in that sense, but I'm sure something will come along. Something will come along, and things will change. Now, in that, understand with me that God is unchanging. God is unchanging. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But yet, I can remember, let me tell you, I remember very vividly when 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 uh, my aunt and uncle first started taking to me, me to church on a regular basis, taking me to youth group, and I started playing music and I would load up and go with this group of people this to play, go around and play southern gospel music and all these, you know, they churches back then had Saturday night gospel scenes. Third Friday night gospel sings. And there's always hot dogs for sale after a gospel sing. You know, you couldn't go to a Pentecostal church and, and do no singing unless you had hot dogs with chili on them after service. 50 cents. We don't see much of that anymore. Things have changed. I remember those churches. I remember some of those churches that we'd go into, they had slatted pews. Can anybody remember the slatted pews? Say amen. Especially if the preacher was long-winded. I can, I can remember those, I can remember those churches that the restroom for facilities were out back and up the hill, 50 yards too far in the wintertime, 50 yards too close in the summertime. And there was no AC in those churches. And, and, and in the back of the pews, in those slatted pews, you find these little fans that you could pull apart and spread out like this, and it would say things like Craven Shire's Funeral Home. Mm-hmm. Th- <coughs> Things haven't stayed the same. Thank God. Thank God they haven't stayed the same, okay? In many ways. Not that there was anything wrong with those, those times. But, Things have went, things have moved on. Right now around us, and I, I preached last week of how that we are seeing ourselves in, in what many consider, and I, I don't dispute that at all, but what many consider, we, we're seeing things form and shape at what could be the, the, uh, the stages being set for the next great event, which is the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I still believe in His imminent return that He can come and He will come at any time He so chooses and He will catch the church away. I believe that. But as we have we as we have found ourselves in this time, in this dispensation, and, and which may very easily be considered 
the most exciting dispensation that we could anyone could ever live in. What greater what greater time to live in than in the age that would see the eyewitness audibly hear the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ as He comes back in what we call or refer to as the rapture of the church. How exciting could that be? You know, just as exciting as the birth of baby Jesus, even though that probably wasn't as widespread, broad spread as we tend to think of it. But, but we, we live, we're in that age while, because when that, that second coming of the Lord appear, happens and, and takes place, the, everyone's going to behold it. The whole world is going to behold that second coming. So we're living in a very exciting time. And because of that, we know and we realize scripturally that things around us are changing. Changing probably more than we as a generation has ever seen them change. Probably changing more than we even care about seeing them change. But in this change, I want you to know, there's some things that are not pleasant. People don't come to church like they used to. Used to church was the place that, that the young boys used to come check out the young girls. And the young girls would come to check out the young boys in hopes of finding a husband or a wife or, you know, in, in those circumstances. Church is the place that we went on uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And, and, and no little league ball teams played sports on Wednesday night because it was church night. All that's changed. All, 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 all of that is seemingly drifted away from us. It, Probably not as suddenly as we think. But but in spite of all of that, in spite of all of those changes, I want you to know that right now, the church is finding itself in new territory. There's, there's new places, there's new encounters, and there's all, and with that comes new challenges. You see, that's what's happening as Moses dies. Moses dies, 40 years or so, more, probably a little bit more than that, Moses had, had influence, 40 years he has led these children in a circle in the wilderness. We have seen fire by day, and or a cloud by day and a fire by night. We have seen manna fall out from the, from the heavens. We've seen quail, we've seen water come out of a rock. We've seen all these miracles, but all of a sudden, all of that is going away. And the circumstances are changing. Moses dies. And that doesn't mean we want any of you all to die. Not saying that in the least, but what I am saying is this. Joshua comes up and the Lord is telling Joshua, I'm going to take you across that river into the land of promise. You see... It, it, it was, if you would, the promise that, that God makes to Joshua is another paradox of what he promised he made Moses because it was the same thing, only different. God had told Moses, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to watch out over you. You will be blessed. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. Uh, uh, you're, everything is going to be good with you. You guys, you, you know, you're, you're going to be fine, Moses. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to 
My people's going to inherit the promise. God tells the same thing to Joshua. But you see, the difference is there is Joshua is not going to do it in the desert. Joshua is going to do it in Canaan. Joshua is going to cross that river, if you would. He is going to make that transition. It's going to be the same promise, but it's going to be new territory. When you read verse 4. And when you read verse 5, you find it's going to be the, it's, it's the same defense. Uh, God says, he said, no one will be able to stand against you all your days of your life as I was with Moses. I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. So it's the same defense. So it's the same thing, only different because God was, was with Moses over here in the desert, but now he's going with Joshua into Canaan. And he admonishes Joshua. He says, you need to be strong. And you need to be courageous. And in that, what he's saying to him, he's saying, you need to have confidence, Joshua. You need to have confidence like Moses had. You you will lead and you will. And that's why I underscored those word will. God says to Joshua, you will lead. And you will inherit the land. It's not a happenstance. It's not a maybe. It's not a possibility. He's saying you will. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God has a plan for His church. God has God has a plan for His church that was established before time was ever established. God has a plan for His church, and, and, and the church will never lose its efficacy. It, we will, we will never, we will, the church will, will never find ourselves without being, being, uh, able to do what God has called us to do because understand this, He is our equipper. Now the things that we've done on our own, the things that we muster up and that we accomplished in ourselves, then, then what, you know, I, I said in a, I said in a training years ago one time, I'll never will forget it. And the, and the man of God that was leading that training, he said, pastors, he said, I want you to know, he said, if you build your church, you're going to have to take care of your church because that's your church. He said, but if you let God build your church, God will take care of that church because he is what God, what is God's? He will maintain. He will take care of. Listen, when, when, when it comes down to the church, his church, God is going to take, listen, don't worry about the church collapsing. Don't worry about the church falling. Don't worry about the church failing because God said, I will have a church. He said to Peter, upon this rock, and he wasn't talking about Peter. He was talking about the revelation that Peter had that Jesus, you are the Christ. He said, upon that rock, upon this rock, I will build my church. As long as Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church, the church has nothing to worry about. The winds may blow, the seas may toss, the, you know, the attacks may come, but God's church is going to continue on and we would, we will fulfill the call and the, the commission that God has given us to do. So he said, be strong and be courageous. You're going to remain effective because the Bible says the promises of God are yea and amen. You see, it's, it's not about the things that we claim sometimes as promises. I probably am going to get on some territory with this and it may come up. And if you want to discuss it, we'll discuss it offline. But sometimes in Scripture, as believers... 
there are things that, that, that we claim and we'll say, this is the promises of God, but they're really not promises. I'll, let me give you an example. You know, you know, when we, when we study the, the, the Proverbs, we find that, we find that, uh, there is one that we cling on to that says, raise up your child in the way they should go and when they're old, they will not depart from it. And we'll take that, sometimes people will take that verse of scripture and think, if I bring my child up in the way they should go, in the, in godly ways, that they're, it, it pretty well secures that they're going to be saved. I don't, I don't want to interrupt your faith. I don't want to cause you not to believe that, but understand that what that word is, those are wisdom words. Those, those are not prophetic words per se. Those are words, yes, we can cling on to. Yes, they have value. But those are words that are not absolute truth in the sense that they are prophetic. But then when I turn over a few pages and I read that Jesus said that the meek shall inherit the earth. When, when I read that, I know that those who maintain their integrity with God, I know, I know, I know those that hold on to Jesus, we're going to inherit the earth. We're going to inherit everything that God has for us. We're going to receive everything that God has in His plan for us. So sometimes, sometimes there are promises that we hold on to, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not discouraged from having hope, having hope. I'm not trying to discourage you from believing in things or on things. But what I am, I am saying to you this morning, there are those things that sometimes that we hold hope on to and we, and we grab hold on to and they may not be necessarily, if you would, sacred or divine promises, but we have hope. But there are those things that God says, will pass, come to pass. Things like, as surely as I go away, I'm coming again. There's things that God has told us that we can hold on to. So, and he's telling here to Joshua, he is saying to him, hold on to those things I promise you. The things that I've said to Moses, I will, I will be with you. I will bless you. I will take care of you. Then he goes on into saying, in this admonishment, he says, Joshua, you need to obey the law that you have been taught. We know it's evident Joshua has spent much time with Moses. And what we think about a transition, sometimes, you know, as, as you get older, as any of us get older, the older we get, the harder transition is for us. You know why? Is because the older we get, the more we tend to uh, uh, to allow the emotion of sentiment or sentimentality to dictate our life. What happens with us? What happens with us when somebody comes along? How, how many? How many of y'all got a pair of old shoes you just can't stand to throw away? Or you got an old hat you just can't stand to throw away? You know. I, I got those kind of things. An old coat that you just can't stand to throw away. I want to tell you what. It broke my heart last August. August of 2021. It broke my heart to to, have, to see my little ugly cubicle car be hauled off on a rollback. That thing had become a part of me. You know, I had left my print on that car, the front seat, literally. I really wasn't so excited about anything new. You know, I'm past the 
buying a new car thing. Yeah, but, but what happens to us when, when we begin to talk about transition and we begin to talk about things new, what scares us to death and what prevents us is that we think because something new, we, we embrace or we begin to grab something new that it leaves the old invalid. You see, that's the way we think. Even if we don't admit it, that's the way we think. We, if I get a new coat, I'm going to have to throw the old one away. If I get a new pair of shoes, I'm going to have to throw the old shoes away. If I get a new hat, I'm going to have to throw the old hat away. Well, see, what I do around our house, I mess with my wife. I mess with Sister Sarah because I don't really throw them away. I've got a hook out in the garage, and I just take them out there and hang them on that hook. And she thinks they're gone, but they're really not. They're out in the garage. Okay? See, see, somehow in our minds we think, well, oh, okay, if we begin, you know, we begin to think, you know, and, and a number of years ago, and I, I don't go, Lord, I don't even know why, I, I shouldn't probably go here. But a few years ago, it was the song wars that occurred in, in church because there was people thought, well, if we start singing something new, we're going to forget about something old. And we got in this, the church as such, got in this big battle over whether it's new music, whether it's old music, and, and, and we begin to have this real struggle and the world sitting back looking at us and saying, what in the world is going on? You see, that's our, that's a threat to us. That's the thinking or the working of our mind. But what the Lord is saying to Joshua, He said, but you need to obey the law that you were taught. Let me let me identify with you what I'm trying to say here. What 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 the Lord is saying to Joshua, he's saying, "Listen, Josh, what's happening here to you is I'm taking you into a new season, but you're not going to forget about the old season." He said, I'm going to take you into a new season, but you're not going to forget about all the things that you were taught, all the things that you learned in that old season, because they're still valid and they're still intact and everything's still good. In other words, the new season does not invalidate the word that you have been taught. In fact, he goes on in there and he says, hey, Josh, I want to tell you, I want you to maintain its disciplines. He, he described it, God described it this way to Joshua. He said, Josh, you can't turn to the left, you can't turn to the right. You gotta stay on the same road. You're going into a new season, you're going into new territory, you're going into a place you haven't been before, but I don't want you to forget about any of the old stuff. I don't want you to deviate from the old stuff, but you have to go and use it and take it with you and apply it into the new season. Or the new land that you're going. The third thing in the admonishment that he gives to Joshua is keep the book of the law. I got behind myself here. Keep the book of the law or keep increasing in the book of the law. He said keep it on your lips. I I did some word studies in this section. Let me, let me tell you some things I came up with. He said, keep it on your lips, Joshua. Uh, 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 keep increasing in the book of the law. Keep it on your lips. And I, as I studied that out and I, I read commentaries and, and, and different things on that particular verse of scripture, what I came up with this is it just, what Joshua, what God was saying to Joshua is do not cease to verbally, verbally declare the word of the Lord. Now, you know, you say, well, that's because he was a preacher. 
No, no, no. You know, you know, you and I, you and I need to learn to. And and by the way, just this is a public service announcement. Every Wednesday night, the lights are on and the doors are open right here in this room. And at six from six thirty to seven is prayer time, and then from about seven o'clock. To 7.45, we do a worship song. We have a time, a few moments of worship. And then we share in the Word. Every Wednesday night, come be with us. 6.30 and usually by a quarter to eight, we're finishing up. Now, Sarah and I, for the next few weeks, beginning last week, we're, we're, we're ministering about what the, uh, we're double teaming. We tag team what the power of words. And that sort of ties into this message this morning because he says, with your lips, keep it on your lips. Keep declaring the word of God. Keep speaking the word of God. Listen, that's not talking just about preaching. It's be, we begin to speak the word of God over everything. We sang that song this morning. Uh, you know, at Jesus, the winds obey, the, the waves will cease. Uh, there's power in the name of Jesus. Listen, we speak the word with our lips. And then he also talks about having a constant meditation on the word. A constant meditation. I looked up, I looked up that scripture and again, I, I fleshed it out and read commentaries and most of the commentaries lean towards what, jo- what God was saying to Joshua was soak or bask in my words. Soak in my words. Now I'm not a tub person, bathtub, but for, just so you know, I do take baths, but I like, I like I like showers. I don't, I don't like getting in the, we, we got, we got the house when we, they were in there when we bought it. it both, both of the bath, restrooms, bathrooms in our house, they have these jet tubs in them. You turn, you fill them up with water and you can turn on on. You know, neither one of them ever been used in our house. We're shower people. You know what? But, but sometimes every once in a while, not real often, but every once in a while, my wife will say to me, are you going to stay in there all day? Cause I like a, I like a shower. I love it. This, I, and I like it. I like my showers hot. I like for, I like this. I get, why in the Lord am I sharing all this? I like my, I like to, I like to be well done when I get out, okay? And she tells me, that's why you got dry skin. But I like to soak. I like to stand under that shower and just, you know, but God is calling, he says, he says to Joshua, he says, meditate, soak in my word, soak in my presence, soak in my word, absorb my word. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Any person, any person. He, he's calling us to absorb his word. Listen, I'll preach to you. I don't keep preaching to you as long as you'll let me. I'll preach to you every Sunday morning, but I only have maybe about somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. And I will we'll minister to you on Wednesday night. And we got somewhere in the neighborhood about of about 40 minutes on Wednesday night. But let me tell you something. That is just a dry, do, do you realize in, in the if you sit down and you compare it to the amount of time that we spend looking at our phones or looking at our TV, or or whatever else you look at or whatever reading the newspaper, do you realize in comparison most of us to the time that we spent absorbing the Word of God, we give God's Word very little attention in our lives. Hello. 
But he says, soak in my word. Soak in my word. The Hebrew word for meditation is a word, haga, which means to quietly speak the words of the text over and over and over to yourself. I just now, what I just did, I just now released every single one of you to talk to yourself. Begin to speak the Word of God to yourself. Begin to speak it over yourself. I had somebody contact me not long ago, and uh, they asked, they, they had a, they, they, it, it was asking basically my opinion, you know, and if you ask my opinion, of course, that's why I'm going to give you my opinion, but they were talking about the, the, um, the work of praying in tongues as Pentecostals. The, 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 the work of praying in tongues has compared to praying the Word of God over people. I believe both has significant meaning. I believe it is dependent upon the situation. I believe it is dependent upon the circumstance. Paul even give it, gave some instruction to that to the to the Corinthian church. I think both are well and in order and most and you have to consider the circumstance to cons, to determine the the effectivity of of the type of prayer that you are doing. But this is what I want to say to you though is 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 we may be able to you may we may be able to pray in tongues, pray in tongues fluently, but we also need to be able to pray and to speak the word of God over circumstances and situations in my life. We, and you in your life as well. We begin, we need to be able to say, God, I, Lord, your word declares that I am the head and I am not the tail. And I, I speak that over my life. Your, your life says that it's your will for me to be in health and to prosper even as my soul does prosper. Lord, your, I pray your word over every situation in my life. I pray your word. And that's what the instruction that God is giving to Joshua. Now I want you to know that's more than sound advice. Here's how I know that. If you go back to verse 9 and you look at the question that God asked Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous do not be afraid and do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. These are things that God's not giving them to Joshua as electives. He's not giving them to Josh, Joshua to say, uh, here's some things I want you to consider. He says, these are things I'm commanding you as you go into the new land. You're stepping out of the old land and you're going into the new land. But the old land was part just as much a part of the promise as the new land. And these are things that I've commanded you. So what happens is, we see a transition. Same God, same mission. We see a same anointing. We see a transition going into a new time. Let me tell you, we as Christians, we as, we as a church, we, we can't fulfill the mission of God the same way that we filled it a hundred years ago. We can't fulfill the mission of God the same way that we did 50 years ago. In fact, we can't fulfill the mission of God the same way we did 20 years ago. These little things here are perfect, perfect examples of that. And some of you in this room 
very few of you, but there's probably some in this room that don't even have one of these. But you know, these things are sophisticated. They're nothing more than little computers that we carry around in our hand. But these these things have the ability to communicate to people. We we was on a, we were on a phone call the other day with Whitney. We were on a, a, a virtual call, Facebook call with Whitney for an hour and a half the other day. Man, that was amazing. There she is, other side of the world. I was telling her, you need to get in bed. It's 11 o'clock. You know, it's 3 o'clock. And we were in Pigeon Forge. And I was showing her pictures at the Ferris wheel and, and everything else, you know. And But things are different. And the Word of God is unchanging. God is unchanging. We understand that. But listen, the world around us is, is, is changing at a speed unlike no generation before has seen it. You know, back uh, about 120 years ago, it wouldn't be a marvel to go down the road and see somebody coming along in with a team of horses or just a single horse and a buggy behind it. But now we take trips to go see things like that. Because we're driving our cars with the... We don't even have the crank up windows anymore. We have the little buttons you push and go up and zoom and go down. We have the little button over here you can push and, and the heat in the seat comes on so you know you're, you know, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, and you have the heat, the seats heat up, steering wheels heat up on some of them. Some of them you put in reverse, you don't even have to turn your head anymore. It just shows you a picture right there on the screen. Got little lines on it, tells you where you're going. If you get too close, it starts going beep, 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 beep. The world around us is changing and changing quickly. But our mission is still the same. We still got work to do. We still got things to do. We still got places to go and people to reach. And we got territory to claim. And I want to sum this up in three P's for you. The first P is the promise. The promise. The promise is found in verse 6. The promise is found in verse 6 when, when, when God says, be strong and be courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to you by your ancestors. Do you understand this? That God has given us people to reach. And, and as, and as, as, a, as much as I love missions and, and this is a very, we'll hear more about it next Sunday. Well, I don't spoil next Sunday right now, but, but, but Lord willing, we're here next Sunday. You don't hear more about the missions work that we have accomplished as a church. And while there's work all the way around the world to do, understand this with me today. There's missions work that starts right at the bottom of this hill. Actually, it probably starts already in this room. But there's people up and down these hills and these, where's Elaine at? Hollows. We were picking at her this morning. Hollows, not hollers. There's people up and down these hills and these hollers. There's people that, that, that live all around us that need Jesus. There's people that are around us that we need to reach. Forty years ago, they would show up at church just because it was a good thing to do. Just because that's what people did. There wasn't much other entertainment to be had. But people don't do that anymore. But God has called us to go out into the world and reach them. To go out, listen... 
Oh Lord. So you know it's getting to be springtime. Some of you's on plant corn, some of you's on plant some maters, some of you don't plant some taters, some of you don't have some lettuce and don't have some onions. When you get those, call me because I'll come share with you. Listen, when all that happens, here's what's gonna happen. You can plant all that stuff you want to, but if you never harvest it, it's not gonna do you any good. If you do harvest it and you just put it in the barn or you put it in the freezer and you never eat it, it's never going to do you any good. Listen, there is a world out there in front of us right here in Blue Well that is white to be harvested. It is ready, but it's not going to happen. If we stay in the barn, we've got to get out of the barn and get into the field and start and start picking the cotton and start hauling the peas and start shucking the corn and all of those things. we got to do all those things we need to do to reach the harvest of blue well. Because, listen, we are not here by accident. We are not here by happenstance. We are here on purpose. God put Voice of Praise Worship Center right in the middle of Blue Well for a reason. And that reason is to reach the lost, to be a beacon in the night, and to minister to the people of this area that need Jesus. That's the, so we have the promise. I done got sweaty. I take me one of those long showers. Remember the promise. The second one is, Remember the principles. And remembering the principles, we find that going back to verse 7 and 8. Be strong, be courageous, be careful to obey all the law. All my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In this new venture that we're on. In this new time that we live in. In in this day when everything else is changing. We can still depend on the ageless word of God to provide everything that we need. I don't have, I don't need to come up with some new gospel. You don't either. We don't need to have some new story. We don't, you know, you know, one, one of the things that the, one thing that the church has been guilty of, we wanted to make new story. Uh, you know, I, I love that song and I, I've, I've expressed this before. I, I, I love that song that came out. It's an old worship song that came out probably now 30 years ago, maybe 35 years ago. It says, when the music fades, the lights are all brought down dim. And, and, and it was a worship leader that wrote that song and, and, he, and he's cried out to the Lord. Let me come back to the heart of worship. You know, and, and I'm not against the lights. I'm not against the, 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 the shiny stuff. I'm not against the mirror, uh, smoke and mirrors or any of that, any of that stuff that can make it exciting. But when it comes down to it, even if it's not walking the back of the pews or swinging by the chandelier Pentecostals, can we return back to the heart of worship? Where it's just about, it's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. It's nothing to do with me. You see, when we realize in this, remembering the principle, the principle of this is, it's all about God. It's all about His kingdom and it's all about His purpose. Thirdly, is His presence. His presence in verse 9, He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. If we will be diligent, listen, God has not called us to go, He's not called us to go out into the field without giving us everything that we need to go into the field. 
He's not called us to go out into the field. Listen, Noah, Noah was in the field some 120 years and never saw anybody saved. But God gave Noah everything he needed to be in that field. God will give you and I, He will give us everything we need to go out in the field. The, the only thing when it comes down to it that we really need to go out here in the field and believe that Blue Well will be one for the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing we need really is the promise of His words that I'll be with you always. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the world. And sometimes it may look like it from here, but Blue Well really is not the end of the world. See, God's called us. He's called us into new territory. Same old place. Blue Well's been here since who knows when. I, I don't even know what year it was established. Blue Well's been here for a long, 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 long time. Same old Blue Well. But it's brand new territory. Your neighborhood, if you're not from Blue Well, it's the same way. It's new territory. It's it's new places, new people to reach for Jesus Christ. This mission, this mission is to be completed by you and I. Carrie, if y'all want to come back to some music, sir. This mission is to be completed by you and I. You see, Moses died. And I, I want you to Grasp this. God walks up to Joshua, however that took place or spoke to him. He walks up to Joshua. You get picked on a lot for sitting here at AK. You know that, don't you? Yeah. You get picked. He walks up. You should be God because you're older and wiser. I should be Joshua, but we'll reverse roles. He walks up to Joshua. He said, hey, Josh, how you doing this morning? I just want to let you know Moses is dead. Moses is dead. And Joshua's mind, Joshua means that Moses is not, there's not any change happening. There's not anything going on with Moses anymore. We understand death. Hey, Josh, Moses is dead. But what, what God is saying to Joshua is this. Hey, Joshua, the mission is still going on. Mm-hmm. You know, your mentor, your boss man, Moses, He's dead, but the mission's still going on. And here's the exciting part. The mission's not only going on, but it's expanding. You're going to get to go places Moses didn't. Moses didn't, you know, he, he didn't get to go over there. We know why most of us, I think, you know, his dis- disobedience kept him out. He said, Moses didn't get to go over there, but guess what, Joshua? You don't get to go because I'm expanding. I'm expanding. I'm continuing on with the work. And listen, there's things that our ancestors, there's things that leaders in this church, as great leaders has been in this church throughout the years, there's still things before us that we can do that have not been done. It's up to us to do it. Moses is dead. Moses is dead, but the mission didn't die. God's mission, listen to this, God's mission is undying because it's eternal Because He is eternal. You see, the mission of God is eternal as Jesus Himself. When I read the the book of John, and I I go back to that fourth verse I mentioned in the beginning, John chapter 4, verses 34-38, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, My food 
is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months to harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits for their labor. Understand with me, the mission continues. Whether you're sowing or whether you're reaping what somebody else has begun, the mission continues. Moses is dead. There's a new territory. There's a new season. But it's that same anointing that will take you into it. Voice of Praise Worship Center. There's a work for us to do in Bluewell. And it begins with you. I read a story a while back about a little boy that was at the beach and and as he, he was at the beach, there had been a, uh, a storm out at sea and, and all of these starfish had washed up on the sands of the beach. The tide had went out and left all of these starfish stranded. That little boy's walking along and he picks up a starfish and he flings it out into the surf. An old fella, an old weathered sailor, man of the sea, he's watching the little boy and he, he says, hey boy, what are you doing? Little boy said, I'm saving the starfish. The old sailor said, boy, you must be crazy. There's thousands of these starfish out here on this beach that's, that are going to perish in the sun. What difference do you think that it's going to make? Do you think it will really matter? The little boy, not meaning to be disrespectful, picked up another starfish and flung it far out into the surf. And he said it mattered to that one. It mattered to that one. And we might not save it, get everybody in Blue Well, Mercer County, Tazewell County, um, uh, Monroe County, uh, MacDowell County. We may not get them all saved. But let me tell you what. What matters is we will get some saved. But it's up to us. I'd like for you to bow your head in this room. If you're in this room and you're not saved. Or if you're watching live stream and you're not saved. We're here. We're about you being here. You're the purpose that we exist. That's voice of praise worship center is reaching you and ministering to you. So if you're in this room and you're not saved and not, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to come get you or call you out or anything like that. But if you're in this room and you're unsaved or you've backslid and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I would like for you to slip up your hand real quickly. Anybody in this room? Is there one? I assume by that 
the, the lack of response, which is not a bad thing, then nobody in this room is outside of the will of God. So this is what I want to ask you to do with me. We're going to pray if there's any out there watching live stream. We're just believing that they're going to call upon the Lord and ask Him in forgiveness to save their souls. Claim it in faith and they shall be saved. But this is what I want us to do as a church. I want us to stand to our feet. And as we stand to our feet, we're going to join together in prayer. Believing and knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ has a work for us to do. Look at the person across from you, next to you, behind you. Turn around and look look at them and say, God's got something for us to do. He does. He's got something for us to do. Right here. Right here. In little old Blue Well. The Rock of Mercer County. What it says on the sign. I'd like for voice of praise worship center to be the rock of blue well. And only us, only we can make up our mind to serve that task. So right now, I want you to ask the Lord to just equip you. And equip me. Us together in reaching this community and the surrounding areas for the Lord Jesus Christ. For right now, there are people perishing. There are people perishing every single day. Craven Shire's funeral home is one of the busiest funeral homes literally that I know of in the region of southern West Virginia and southwest Virginia. You know what that tells me? It tells me that Mr. Jim probably has served a lot of families very well through the years, but it also tells me there are a lot of people that are dying in this community. And regardless of what you may think, everybody that leaves this world does not go to heaven unless they know Jesus Christ. So we've got a lot to do before us. We've got souls to reach. We used to sing a song, Lord, let my life be a light. Beaming out through the night. Let me help troubled souls to the fold. Give me wisdom and power every day, every hour. Let my life be a light to some soul. Let's pray today and ask God to illuminate us in His power. Fathers, we come to You. We come to You in prayer as a church, Lord. We join together in unity, in one heart, one mind, and we're joining together in accord. Lord, we know that seasons have come and seasons have gone. And Lord, right now, the season that we're in, Lord, uh, Lord, in, in reality, it's never been before, but it won't be again. But Lord, right now, we ask that you will help us to take advantage of the season that we're in right now. God, you said in your word, he that winneth souls is wise. God, I pray that you will help us to infiltrate this community, speaking your word, speaking your word. Lord, may we be bathed in your word, that we begin, we can speak your word over this community. May we speak your word over lives of people in this community. May we begin to speak Jesus into the every hill and every holler, Lord God, up and down, around and about. 
this county, McDowell County, Lord, wherever we may go, Tazewell County, God, may we speak Your Word, may we display it everywhere we go and every person we come in contact with. May they know that they have been in contact with some Jesus people. May they know that, Lord, that there is a God that loves them. There is a God that chooses to redeem them. He has paid the price of redemption. Lord, and may we, Lord God, show your love, Lord, everywhere we go. God, don't let us be found hid under a bushel. But, Lord, let this little light of mine, let my light shine, Lord, so Jesus, into this world. Lord, let us be illuminated upon this hill, Lord, not with this parking lot lights, but, God, let us be illuminated with the love of Jesus Christ as we reach into the homes and the hearts of people of this community, God. Lord, as we take up the cross, and we follow you into every new adventure that you've given us, that you put before us. Lord, we lay hold of your word. And we believe that you will be with us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. But Lord, your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in Jesus' name, we make this declaration not only over Voice of Praise Worship Center, but we pray this declaration over the community of Bluewell and the surrounding areas. That people will be saved, delivered, and be set free, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, we declare these things in the name of Jesus. We pray. God's going to give us souls. Just remember this. You guys go ahead and pull up the announcements. But just remember this. If I told you that I was going to give you a field full of whatever, whatever you like, corn. I was going to give you, I'm going to give you this field full of corn. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, you know, if you like, I like Brussels sprouts. I'm going to give you a field full of Brussels sprouts. I don't give you a field full of, I don't give you a field full of onions, you say. I don't give you a field full of onions. If I said, I'm going to give you a field full of whatever is your favorite. And you said, wow, that's cool. That's great. That's awesome. 
But if you never went to that field to harvest what I gave you, it's meaningless to you. God, I think, is saying to us this morning, I've given you a field full of souls right here where you're at. But we've got to go out and